Hello everybody, good morning. Welcome to Bournemouth 1 Liverpool Nils Review. After winning 7 nils so convincingly, we look at how the slightly nuanced formation Liverpool pulled out faced a new set of problems, bringing forth a new set of solutions for Liverpool in the process, highlighting how frail their flank play truly is. Bournemouth, after retreating into a 5-4-1 formation that had been so successful in recent weeks, now shifted into a 4-4-1-1 hybrid formation, so to speak, with Dominic Solanke backed up by Philip Billing finally, finally as the attacking midfielder instead of being Jefferson Lerma's central midfield partner. Joe Rothwell came in, which meant that the changes across the pitch cascaded into a relatively safe back four being employed. Jordan Zamora missed out here. While on the flanks, Watara as well as Jaden Anthony played more disciplined but specifically counter-attacking roles so that they punished Liverpool aptly. The game plan was simple. Find Solanke, release anybody available. From the get-go, Solanke released Billing and basically... They kept finding Watara, who had more joy getting behind Robertson, at least compared to Jaden Anthony, who was more narrow and trying to punish Trent Alexander-Arnold. So we have to give credit to Gary O'Neill here for tweaking his formation to suit their principles instead of retreating into a deep and narrow formation that has been punished by the likes of Arsenal as well as Brighton in recent weeks from memory, they stuck to their principles, pushing high up the field with Billing maintaining position, eventually substituted by Christie, but the essence of the formation remained the same. Use their attacking midfielder to prevent passes from being played into Fabinho while using their wingers to remain narrow to mark Liverpool's central midfielders. So this 4-2-3-1 that looked extremely narrow had obvious weaknesses down the flanks. Adam Smith had a 1v1 battle initially against Darwin Nunes or Cody Gakpo who drifted to the flanks. Now for FPL purposes, this is rather obvious that Bournemouth's flanks will be one to target. Well, at least at home. Away from home, they may or may not exhibit the same weaknesses, but based on their game against Arsenal the previous week, where Reese Nelson punished them in the final 10 minutes, it wouldn't be surprising if next up against Aston Villa, we would see somebody like Buendia or perhaps, perhaps, Alex Moreno shine from that left flank. We'll go through the various matchups that Adam Smith faced on that flank later on in the Liverpool section, but at least on the other side, without Jordan Zamora, Lloyd Kelly did a much better job against the likes of Trent, Elliot and Co. as Liverpool changed that rotation down the right side so often that Bournemouth basically just sat there and waited for Liverpool to cross that never came. Lastly, it has to be mentioned that for FPL purposes, Dominic Solanke's potential unfortunately hovers between direct assister and assister to the assister. There were times where Solanke directly released Watara. And there were times Solanke would actually find billing as he would absorb a lot of Liverpool's midfield pressure, playing that one deft pass to billing and billing would be the one that would release an onrushing forward. So really, as Andy Martin on Twitter has told me directly before, Billing 
very likely the one that scores 15 to 18 points in the double game week against Fulham and Brighton in double game week 29. Liverpool, who's 4-3-3 defaulted to the more youthful position by attempting to play Elliot and Bacetic in midfield, flanked by Fabinho once again. This time round, <clears throat> with Elliot operating on the right, Bacetic operating on the left, the attacks of Liverpool's became more segregated as Elliot committed himself to the right side linking with Salah and TAA, while on the left, Bacetic basically served as a covering midfielder for Henderson, sorry, Fabinho, so that long balls aimed at Gakpo or Nunes would be relatively risk-free. Now, the problem here was that the right side of triangle as from two seasons before, were rather predictable. No matter who played in that right central midfielder position, if it's not Jordan Henderson making runs all the way into centre forward, it will not work. Elliot Salah and Henderson, sorry, Elliot Salah and TAA constantly made rotations. Sometimes Elliot would push up, Salah would push wide and Trent would move into central midfield. Sometimes Trent was the one that moved out wide and Salah moved into the striker's position. But no matter how the triangle rotated, Bournemouth just sat there and were completely equal to it. The key here was that they were not able to dominate possession from centre of midfield. And this was the crucial ingredient that allowed Liverpool to be shoehorned into a particular area of the pitch, making it easy to defend against them. Now the first obvious solution recognising that long balls over the top for Gakpo and Nunes worked was bringing on Diogo Jota, who slotted directly into that left side. This time, Gakpo dropped deeper, expanding his area of influence, keeping Nunes up as the number 9, meaning that Jota was supposed to be the one directly going up against Adam Smith. Also, he thought, because Ouattara increased his discipline moving back, and even though Robertson and... Jota tested them multiple times with the ball. Ironically, they dispossessed Solanke to actually create their best chance, albeit from range. That approach was quickly abandoned with substitutions as Henderson as well as Milner came on, shifting Liverpool's entire attack from the left to the right. And essentially this turned into a right side creating for the left scenario, unfortunately not through crosses. Out of 100 passes played between Salah's penalty and the 83rd minute when Fabio Cavallo came on, almost uh, there were less than 10 that were long. The irony here was that James Milner's ventures into the right half space with his chipped cross was the very avenue that created Salah's penalty in the first place. So the uh, lack of insistence going with an approach that remotely worked was rather puzzling. In the end though, the lesson learned here from Liverpool was that changing personnel does not alter their system and their flaws remain the same. Even though Henderson was brought on for the likes of Elliot and Bacetich was eventually substituted by Carvalho and Co, Firmino's presence did not change their attacking dynamics as their central positioning faced the same Bournemouth pressure where they basically had a player breathing down their necks whenever they touched the ball, not as they touched it after they had the ball, which meant that Liverpool's players were forced either backwards or sideways.
The missing ingredient for Liverpool here was a change in tempo as Firmino was supposed to be the one instigating this one-touch passing style that enabled runners further forward. But as they brought Nunes off, unfortunately, they just did not have a Sadio Mane type of player who would run behind defences. That being the crucial ingredient missing at breaking down relatively aggressive defences. As Liverpool look at their existing trophy cabinet this season that only consists of that legendary 7-up can, they can at least look to their squad to see that they created everything sufficient against Bournemouth to win the game. Relatively good substitutions that changed the dynamics of their squad potentially, earned through a Liverpool penalty, were supposed to give them the momentum needed to win the game and really, after that particular incident, they only had four touches in the box. Salah's backward pass, Salah losing the ball in the penalty area, Robertson receiving the ball beyond their defence, and Cody Gakpo playing a forward through ball into the left half space. Perhaps these are signs of how Liverpool's next solution will come about, just waiting to be filled by a forward in that particular left side. This is FPL Teacher who will continue to reveal Game Week 27's matches up next. <laughs>